0: restaurant unstoppable episode 1017 with James Bonano so when I was 16 17
1: 18 years old and I'm busting my butt working for him and I'm showing up you know on time every day and I'm you know one of the harder worker uh, employees there and I'm the last to leave and I'm you know ethical and and just have good character, that's what has served me well multiple times in life, is just doing what's right when no one's looking. Are you ready for it factors,
0: success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60 day pilot Restaurant owners and operators, you can make a difference in the lives of your staff and their families by supporting CORE, which stands for Children of Restaurant Employees. CORE is a national nonprofit that provides financial grants to food and beverage service employees with children when either the employee, their child, or their partner faces a life-altering medical crisis or natural disaster. Not only can you share CORE as a benefit in resource with your staff. You can also donate directly or host a fundraising promotion. Core critically needs your financial support to continue to provide relief to restaurant employees that qualify for a grant when life does not go as planned. Support of Core allows you to give back to your employees and restaurant families across the country. Visit coregives.com. Org to learn more. Together, we can make a difference in the lives of those who serve us daily. Restaurants Unstoppable Network is coming back and we are stronger than ever before. So, During the pandemic, I started the network as a way to evolve and adapt, and when things opened back up, I was on the road again. That is my happy place, but there is value in the network, but I knew I couldn't be on the road and do the network at the same time, so I recruited Callan Miola to be our community manager, and she is killing it. She is organizing things like I could never have done on my own, and we are getting After it. So if you want to be a part of the conversation, the podcast is the leading edge. We're out there. We're turning over rocks. We're finding leads. The network is where we pull back the layers. We dive deep, but we connect our listeners to the tools, services and organizations that are being referred to us organically. If you want to be in the network act now, because the first 50 people to sign up will get a free t-shirt head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash whatever the episode number is find the link or the banner in the show notes and you will get a 30-day trial to get into the network get a free shirt and if you opt into the one-year plan we will throw in a hat and a mug thank you in advance with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest ceo of upstream hospitality group James Bonanno, James, are you feeling unstoppable today? Very unstoppable. Thanks for having me, Eric. Dude, psyched to have you here. And um, you know, I, you, you guys came on my radar about three weeks ago. And I, it got my attention. I was like, "There could be something here." And then, not too long after, like a week later, Kathleen Wood reaches out to me. And she's like, "I have these guys. You got to get on the show." And when Kathleen Woods tells me I'm missing a story, I pay attention. So yeah. I, I made it happen. Three weeks later, we're here. We're, 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 we're listening.
1: You make it happen. That was quick,
0: dude. I, I can't wait to dive into your story. And, uh, you know, I, I just have a really good feeling that there's gonna be some gold in the, today's discussions. So before we dive into who you are and how you got to where you. You are a CEO of Upstream Hospitality Group. Let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us?
1: I got if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. If you think you can or you think you can't,
0: you're right. Which is all about yeah, exactly, Henry
1: Ford. It's all about mindset and attitude. Um, You know, from early age, uh, teenage years, uh, you know, personal development. I, th- I read, um, rich dad, poor dad when I was 18, yeah. that really kind of changed my life. And, uh, I kind of just, since then i you know, I'm 39 right now, I'm turning 40 in a couple months. So, you know, for the past 20 something years, uh, I've just really went really deep into personal development and just having a really strong rock solid mindset. So, uh, I just love that quote because, you know, it's all between your ears.
0: Yeah, man. Um, Rich Dad Poor Dad, too, man. You just struck a chord with me. That book is a game changer. I think that should be a part of like college reading, like freshman year, like mandatory. Uh, What was the big takeaway? How did that book influence you? You
1: know, I always had this entrepreneurial spirit as a kid, but um, I think reading that uh, first week of college, uh which oh, is, is that when you listen you Yeah, it was bad timing oh, cuz I'm like shit, I don't want to finish am I, here? I don't want to finish college. <laughs> uh, and there was some tough conversation with my mom, but I stuck it out and, and stayed in for 4 years, but you know, I just knew right away that um, I was going to go pave my own path and be an entrepreneur yeah. and uh, you know, everything in that book is just it made so much sense to me. Um, and and even the sequel Cashflow Quadrant uh, that which is really ironic cuz you know, 20 years later when I was 18 it was hard for me to conceive that like, you know, in that book, they talk about the differences between a small business owner or self-employed person and then like this big business owner and how, you know, one characteristic is a big business owner as they have built a company and a team and their systems and their processes and all this stuff like the CEO, if they disappeared for a year when they came back a year later, their business should be bigger and stronger. So at 18, I'm like, man, it's hard to conceive. But now I'm kind of in it right now living it and seeing, you know, as the company's growing and the team is stronger and there's more systems, you know, I, I honestly feel like if I disappeared for a year that I'd come back and it would be stronger and
0: better. I so. love that, man. I can't Pretty wait cool. to dive in. So where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Because you graduate in 2006, right? B.S., From North Carolina, University
1: of North Carolina, Wilmington? North Carolina, Wilmington, down on the beach, uh, but out north of Myrtle Beach. Great, great little, uh, not little, it's grown like crazy, but town in uh, in North Carolina.
0: Are you destined to be a, a restaurateur at this point in your life? Have you figured it out?
1: I would say that, um, restaurant and working in hospitality is the only thing I really knew is the only job I ever had in my life. You know, started working 13, 14 years old in my father's friend's restaurant, you know, locally here in Long Island, doing every job in the book, whether it's busing tables or washing dishes or, uh, bar backing or serving or bartending. So, uh, I did that my whole life, um, through college, you know, I'd come back to Long Island, I would bartend at some hot spots and, and stack a lot of cash and go back to college thinking I'm rich and, uh. (laughs) You know, um, again in college, knowing I was definitely going to do some entrepreneurial, there was something in the back of my hand and in my mind that said, "All right, there's like a ninety percent chance, like you know, the restaurant industry is going to be the thing I do." But you know, let me not let me be open minded and just kind of see if there's anything else uh, that um, you know really resonates with me. And ironically, uh, my current partner uh, in one of my brands. Bango Bowls uh, with Ryan Thorman, we actually bought a advertising franchise uh, when we were in our young 20s. Okay. Um, and, you know, right away, it didn't take long for either of us to realize, like, you know, selling advertising, chasing around money. And, That's like, not
0: Pipeline Media, is it?
1: It was actually all over media. Oh, okay, got it. Um, which was ironic because we were putting ads in the restrooms of restaurants. So, there's still, <laughs> there's still a tie, tie to uh, restaurants, but, you know, I kind of knew right away that... Um, you know, the restaurant industry was something I wanted to explore and got it.
0: So w- when did you cross paths with Ryan? Cause I didn't, s- I didn't see him on your radar as far as I've known Ryan since I was probably, uh, eight years old. Oh, you know, okay. like we, we so were, like we were childhood bunch. friends. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. You know, no, um, known him my whole life, but, uh, you know, and and Ryan was an amazing sales guy. He worked for the New York Jets. He worked yeah. for the Madison Square Garden. Top sales guy selling PSLs. I, I have and, questions for him. I'm yeah, like, so, like you know all these things. Spoiler alert: Ryan's up next. Yeah, We're Ryan's be Talking to Ryan. Ryan's, Ryan Ryan's going to be a future guest. So. so I did
0: a little. I did a little bit of research on the both of you. And his his path was like I'm like how the from like you know sports entertainment to like the restaurant industry so I have questions for you Yeah, have a
1: question I'll talk a little bit about it but I was more the hospitality guy Got it. you know bred my whole life and you know at a young age and uh, you know just bartending and when I was t- kind of like 26 years old I started to have conversations with a guy I met recently bartending who's my current partner right now uh, Dave Johnson and then uh, it just happened really fast we were we were 27 well I was 27 I guess he was a little bit younger um, And we opened our first spot, and uh, that was the tap room in
0: in Patchogue, New York. Got it. So, from you graduate in two thousand six. What's going on between two thousand six and two thousand eleven? Are you is this when you're kind of doing your side hustle with Ryan?
1: Uh, yep, yep. We're doing all over media. I was still bartending. Um, you know, I was just trying to figure life out. You know, I was you know I was young. Young 20s, mid 20s, um, you know, that is short stint working as a business broker, you know what I mean? You know, just trying to figure out what business I really want to start.
0: So take us to that point. And like this kind of sound like you're lost during this point. How uh, did you get found is what I'm trying to figure out. Like what happened? What was the tipping point?
1: I think it was, um, you know, going back to Rich Dad Poor Dad, like everything was very calculated. So like, you know, those p- pet, uh, Couple of years after college, I was like, you know, I want to go buy a, a house. I want it to be a multi-unit. I want to rent it out to my friends. I want to live for free. You know, on the cash flow. So like, you know, I spent uh, a year or so um, just bartending my ass off, making cash, bought a house. Nice, dude. You know, and then uh, and then it was like, all right, next step. Let's let's keep stacking some cash to kind of figure out what business to open and um, let's look like, you know, for the right opportunity. And if it's a restaurant, um, which
0: again, I was, you know, that's the way I was leaning towards. Uh, and was there th- part of you that was like, I don't want to do restaurants? Were you afraid of it? Cause it sounds like you it was there, but you weren't like, you're like, is that, do I, do I really want to? I would say it's that, a scary business. I wouldn't blame you if there was some hesitation.
1: No, I, I would say that, um, I just, Know the demands of the industry, and look. Look, I was always a hard worker. I'll work, you know, eighty hours a week every week, and you know, I did that my whole life. So, but it was kind of seeing people I look up to, and I still do to this day. But you know, they were successful, you know, quote unquote, mom and pop operators where the business just owned them, yeah, right, and they were scared to go on vacation for a week or ten days because the business would implode. And that wasn't necessarily the life that you know I want to build where
0: this is my parents' life this is why I started the podcast, you know because like people should be able to own businesses and not be a slave to the business exactly so going again going back to that cash flow quadrant, where we're saying
1: like a lot of small business owners are really slaves to their business yep. and making that transition to a big business and, and more of a company um, where you're not so you know my young 20s it was like, hey, uh, is the restaurant industry definitely where I want to go down even though I love it and you know I love I love the hospitality part of it and it was just fun and it was always in me so it was always 90% I'm going there but I was like before I put all my chips in and 100% dive into the restaurant industry let me just you know spend a year or so and see if there's anything else I might want to do
0: yeah man so um ultimately you got sucked back into the industry so how did you find the taproom very
1: happy I did like you know like I said I love it um it's uh it's treating me good. I've been able to do a lot of great things and give back. And it's just it's just been a lot of fun. And I really feel like I'm just getting started. But uh, we were just bartending. I was, I was with uh, my current partner, Dave, and we, were, and we were talking. And our current location, there was a restaurant in there that had just moved down the street. So you,
0: when you say your current location, this is where you were working, not owning.
1: No. So uh, I, when I say current, I'm saying we still own it today. Oh, okay. So it was, our, it was our first location. And now it's vacant because okay. the prior restaurant had moved down the street. Got it. And it was sitting there vacant for five months, and the place we were bartending at, um, our boss, the owner there, happened to be one of the owners of that restaurant. Okay, so it's just funny how fast it happened because you know I'm talking. So it wasn't about, planned out or anything. It wasn't like that. planned. Nice. It was, it was. Hey, let's call Scotty and see what's going on with the old place and Your we, old boss. Yep, and we call him, and he said, "Meet me in ten minutes." So we literally went and met him. He's like, look, I've been paying rent for five months. I I really got to figure out what I'm doing. You know, I got to figure out what I'm doing with this place. Um, All the licenses are still active and current. Like technically we could open tomorrow. So he's like, what's your concept? And this is, again, this is early 2011. So, like, craft beer was, like, really just starting. Maybe a restaurant or two locally had an IPA on, on tap and right. not, not real. you know, like.
0: Yeah, it was Bud Light, Yingling, Bud Light, or Coors. Yeah, there, there wasn't, Korean, you know. A, in a beer hall. <laughs> and
1: IPA wasn't an easy to find. Forget a double IPA, you right. know. So, we were like, look, we want to do this. We think this craft beer thing is going to start growing. Like, let's, let's do craft beer. And we want to do, like, pub food, bar food, but not have it be the afterthought, not frozen food that like you go into a the bar and then like, oh, I'm hungry. Let me just get some mozzarella sticks or jalapeno poppers. I but, was just thinking poppers, dude. You know, he literally took yeah, the words like, out of my mouth.
0: And, and
1: uh, so like, you know, let's make bar food, but let's make it the best damn bar food you've ever had. Like yeah. let's make everything in house, which, you know fast forward to two thousand and twenty three it's kind of more popular today yeah and 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 the norm and the standard, but early two thousand and eleven that really wasn 't the case so uh you know the focus on food was important from day one it's only intensified you know twelve years later but so talking to Scotty, he said uh, you know, do you guys have any money? And we looked at him and said, yes, we actually had maybe $500 combined. <laughs> I thought what happened to all this money you're putting away? You spent on the house? Put it on the house. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bought the we house. We said collateral. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, we, we really had no money. Um, and you know, we went in the other room and cause Scottie said, look, we don't want to sell it to you guys, but we're a partner. So we went in the other room and we're like, look, we're both front of the house guys. We're bartenders the The other partner was a chef. Um, we we're like, we don't know how much money we need, but whatever we need. Now we only need half of it because we're only going to own half. So let's just chalk this one up as a learning experience. In a year or two, you know, maybe we'll sell to them and we'll go off and do something else. Yeah. And that was kind of the the uh, the thought process. And everything happened so fast. They were like, all right, you know, you need like a hundred grand or something. So let's, let's meet next week. Let's close and we'll open in two weeks. And we just looked at each other and we're
0: like, shit, this is happening. (laughs) Um, I love it though. So tell me more about Scotty. Was he, uh, how long were you working with him before I worked for him for 10 years? Okay.
1: So I knew him, uh, and I'll get more in the story now, but we're actually partners in a business right now yeah. um and you know so i'd known him 10 years uh, we had a great relationship and he said you know let's let's partner up um and we did and those first 2 years uh were good it was a small little place um at the time now we've since you know put a second floor put an outdoor patio so now now it's bigger and does real numbers but at the time we were just starting you know we were just young guys learning how to be business owners and entrepreneurs and uh, after 2 years fortunately those guys were like this is really your thing you want to buy us out nice and we were like i was
0: wondering if that was on the table yeah Yeah. so
1: after two years we bought them out very amicably you know we're still friends with both of them to this day one of them scotty we're still partners with in another business uh and 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 that was the start of tap room and really you know even with the name um there was really about 20 minutes of thought of a name because everything just happened you know everything just happened so fast yeah uh so you know fast forward now um
0: it's a great name, though, because it describes exactly what you're doing. Back in 2011, you know, like, I feel like it was a great name. Maybe now there's a lot of competition for that. Yeah,
1: so I I look back and I say that the name has served us very well in the sense of exactly what you said. Like, you come to town, you hear Tap Room. like You know what you're gonna getting. You, like, you know what you're getting, right? You're... you're coming to this place where you're going to have probably a great selection of craft beer which we do you know we uh, rotate a lot of beers in Um, you're probably going to have some good pub fare uh, which which we do but what we're finding now is as we're growing and scaling and you know, every brewery in the country calls their bar their tap room. We're, you know, there's a tap room in every corner. I have a lot of friends who go on vacation and they always send me pictures. Hey, I'm at this tap room. And I'm always just like, oh, man, you know? <laughs> uh, so we're we're actually doing a tw- a, just a slight tweak, um, which we'll be announcing probably in, uh, in the next month or so. Okay. So it'll be very similar because we have a lot of brand uh, you know, identity recognition, and recognition yeah. and, and we want to retain that, but we just want to have something a little bit more yeah. identifiable.
0: I'll tell you what I'm curious about, and this is the relationship with Scotty and how it evolved over time, a lot of people, they, they ask me, you know, hey, like, I want to get into the industry. Like, I want a mentor. I need a mentor. I'm like, well, what are you doing to find that mentor? And, like, how, like, what is your advice? How, before I unpackage? I want to know. If sure. If came to you and, like, hey, I'm looking for a mentor, what, what would your advice be? Well, uh,
1: you know, I'd say when you mentioned Scotty, you know, if I go speak to high school students or college students, you know, this is part of what, what I tell them is when I look back on certain stages of my career, uh, Scotty, when we wanted to, you know, partner or buy Scotty's place, he was fielding offers from multiple people. I'm sure, he was, and he chose he chose us, right? Yeah. So, like, I take a step back and say, why did he choose Dave and I? I have some thoughts as opposed to that person or that right. person or that person. And when you're working, when I worked with him for ten years, you know, there's a there's character and work ethic, right? And you can't turn it on in life when it's convenient for you. Like you have to be doing that when no one's looking. So when I was 16, 17, 18 years old and I'm busting my butt working for him and I'm showing up, you know, on time every day and I'm, you know, one of the harder worker uh, employees there and I'm the last to leave and I'm, you know, ethical and and just have good character that's what has served me well multiple times in life is just doing what's right when no one's looking
0: yeah man uh and and, you know to kind of round off that idea of how do you find a mentor it's like my answer would have been to go find somebody that you respect and admire and you want to work for them and then go do exactly what you just said be the first one there the last one to leave show up all the time grind show them your character show them your work ethic and be valuable to them Exactly. be an asset exactly and when you are a value to somebody when you're an asset to somebody they're going to treat you well they're going to share information with you they're going to take you in you know exactly
1: so, you just you just got to put in the extra effort and that's and that's where that whole upstream mentality name come from like you know it was, it was, i was
0: curious about that it's a
1: funny story you know i'm, I'm sitting there for a couple of years like really trying to think of like, the, like a great hospitality name and i was actually on vacation in the virgin islands with my whole extended family it's like 20 of us sitting around a table and we're just chatting and I'm saying like, look, if you want to be successful in life or in, whether it's in business, whether it's in sports, relationships, like anything, there's, there's either content out there where you can go learn and then couple that with just putting in that extra effort. So I'm like, look, you know, the reason why someone's average is because they're just not either looking for that education or they're not putting the effort. So like I'm like they're going down it's easy to go downstream. Like the masses go downstream where if you really want to achieve greatness, you gotta be the the, you gotta fight the current and and you gotta go upstream. Yeah. And and when I said upstream to my family, I go that's it. Yeah. And they're like what's what's what? I'm like, that's the hospitality name. Like what are you talking about? I'm like I wanna I wanna build a company and a workforce where everyone has this upstream mentality where they really just, you know, want to be great and they're willing to do what it takes to be great.
0: And I think, when I think of upstream too, I think it trickles up, you know, like, like from like, if you have like a, a flipped hierarchy, right? Where you're at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it, it all trickles up, and that's exactly what Scotty did for you. And you know, like, it triple, it trickled up. He created opportunity for you, and that's the way it should be. And this is really what I'm trying to make an example of on the show. Is listen, like, it's not about how how can I win. It's how can I create a community of people winning. Exactly, I you love know? that. Yeah. yeah, and 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 when you do that, I'm sure Scotty got a really good like deal. He had two partners that he knew liked and trusted who kn- he knew he, that you guys had the same values and work ethic because he taught you. Right. Or at least his organization taught you. Exactly. Um, and then from there, you know, like you just keep on paying it for It just keeps st- upstream trickling up. Yep. Right. You got um, it. Um, so I love that. I love that name. I think it's spot on, man. Um, so, I am curious about like what, what was the negotiation like for this first location? Do you think he was fair with you on the deal? Uh, I mean, he is your friend. I, I don't want to like yeah. bring out like bring out dirty laundry, but like what advice do you have for somebody going into an ownership structure for the first time when, when you're, when you have partners and you kind of need those partners?
1: Yeah, it was, it, it, I know. And again, this is going back and really thinking about things from a long time ago that I haven't thought about in a while. But, um, yeah, it was fair. I mean, you know, Technically, we weren't really buying his business because he bought, he took his business and he, you know, moved it down the street. So, there was some people a little bit older than me who were like, hey, just be careful. Like, what are you really buying? Like, you know, you're buying access to a lease. Like, yeah, granted, there's some furniture and some kitchen equipment. But, like, what are you really buying? And, uh, you know, if I listen to some of those people, you know, I maybe wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah. Um, but uh, in hindsight, I, w- I would say, yeah, I, it was fair. Um it happened quick. We needed like a hundred grand or so. You know, it, it wasn't a ton of money, but at the time it was a ton of money. Yeah. You know,
0: I will say this and you were in the position where you don't really have the leverage in that, that situation. He's giving you an opportunity and he was probably covering his ass a little bit in case, you know, you yeah, and, find out you don't want to be an owner.
1: And again, there was value there. I mean, there yeah. was a full kit. You know, there was a kitchen. There was a bar. There was a, fu- you know, all, all the things that cost money when you open a place, you know, restrooms, fire, yeah. you know, uh, all that stuff. So. And the licensing. Yeah. The permits. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's huge. Like, we were ready to go. So yeah. uh, it wasn't like we weren't buying anything. And that's kind of what I told, you know, those other... Path of least resistance. naysayers. like, I am buying something.
0: Right? And a partner that you know, like, and trust and who has a track record of success. Yeah,
1: and they were both. Him and his partner both were um, about maybe f- 10, 15 years older than us. How uh, old were you?
0: 26, 27 weeks? I, yeah, okay. exactly.
1: So, uh, you know, they had... That's when this was
0: going down. You're not 26 now. <laughs> right. I'll
1: be 40 in a couple months. So, you know, they were... Um, you know, they both had owned multiple restaurants. Scotty had owned a lot of restaurants in his day. And, uh, you know, they were guys who knew what they were doing and successful. And like I said, we, Dave and I were like, let's just chalk the first one up as learning. And then we'll go figure out a brand and and go grow that. We didn't really know or realize that that initial one would have been the one that we were most excited about and really growing and, you know, ended up buying them out. So, uh, yeah,
0: I can't wait to get into the evolution of, uh, the tap room. Um, but, like, is there anything else that's worth unpackaging in your come up? Key lessons, things you can pay forward to whoever's listening to this?
1: Yeah, I think I think when people are maybe dreaming or, you know, want to open their first restaurant, you know, like the biggest mental hurdle, I think, in their minds is finances and money. And it's like, you know, how am I going to do this? I, I, I have no money. And... You know, so today when I tell that to whether it's employees of mine or people you know seeking advice, open their own restaurant, I say that I know they look at me like, "Hey, it's easier for you to say or like easy to say now," but you got to remember, I was I was there, I was in your shoes. I I had you know very little money because I just spent it you know buying that house. So, um, you know, I I say don't let money be the thing to stop you. Like, you know, show that you have that character and work ethic, and like you're going to work, you know, you you'll work until you know, the, the last day before you let an investor lose a dollar, um, and just gain as much knowledge and experience in the industry as you can. So you're, you know, you're coming at it from an angle where, you know, you're bringing some expertise, but, uh, you know, we, we left that meeting, needed some money and we just started hitting the streets and I just started asking friends and family, like, can I borrow 10 grand and I'll pay you 10% interest, interest only, uh, let me know when you want your 10 grand back. Is it three months from now or nine months from now, two years from now and enough people we'll prorate it, <laughs> you know, enough people said yes, uh, to lending us, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 grand. So
0: after, so you didn't have to get money for the whole restaurant. You just need to get in money for half the restaurant.
1: Yeah. It was like a hundred and something grand that, that you had to raise that own. we had to raise on our own. Yeah, um, can't do that today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh so th- I, I feel like I want to give a shout out to the, this company that I literally just interviewed yesterday. They called Mainvest and they're based out of Salem, Massachusetts. And what they do is they offer framing uh so it, like the framing so if, if you want to go find investors, people who are literally, literally going to give you the money, but then they're going to get paid back over time. So like it, it it's basically like if you want to like it's it's a way for local community to invest in local community. Okay. interesting. so, so it's a great tool. I mean, like you use it to like go through and you start with friends and family, right? You, you recruit them first, but this platform provides the framing for you to actually allocate the funds and to keep you accountable and all that stuff. But it's almost like, like crowdsourcing meets venture capitalists. Very or cool. Like, I got to check that out. Yeah, it's really Sound, cool. Sounds cool. Uh, but if anybody who's trying to go through this right now, it's a great tool. And I, and I want to see this company be successful. It's called Mainvesc. Mainvesc. Um if, There will be a link in the show notes. I am going to become an affiliate of this company, so I'm just throwing that out there, too. It's not, this isn't completely selfish, but I I truly believe in what they're doing. Yeah, that sounds awesome. But uh, do check that out. So, all right. Now, I think it's a good time to take a break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to talk about how you scaled Taproom to five locations and opened Bango Bowls, which is now at five locations and your franchise. Correct. Can't wait. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Fred Langley CEO of restaurant systems pro will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the restaurant systems pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant restaurant. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting <laughs> with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts and seats, and that's not it. Often the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash R-S-P. That's R-S-P for Restaurant Systems Pro. com slash R-S-P. We're back. So take us through opening to scaling. Sure. What was that like? Sure. So
1: I'll say that... Um you know, those first two years we're still partners with Scotty and John and you know, they were still handling a lot of the business side of things. So when day they, they were like, Do you wanna buy us out? All of a sudden like all the you know, accounting, bookkeeping, insurance, you know, like all that all that type of stuff just instantly fell right on my lap. So that, you know, that kinda of going into our third year, that was like, All right, I gotta really learn. I'm not just like managing a shift anymore, now I'm actually running the business. So, you know, that was that was the first step and then you know, those first, you know, handful of years, Dave and I were the were the in-house managers. Like, we didn't have a management team. One of us was there every day building a business, shaking hands, you know, in the community. And uh, we knew we wanted to grow. Um, we didn't really have a defined vision. Like, this is what we're doing. We do now. But, you know, at the time, it was like, all right, you know, let's try to open another location. So... Uh, we in uh, so
0: on day one you're saying let's open another location I How think long did it take? I
1: think it was more like in the third year maybe going into the fourth year like all right let's you know let's start looking at opening another location let's let's look into buying our building that we're in yeah so around the same time we bought our building um, you know we were just busting at the seams like we were uh, it was only a couple thousand square feet but um you know we were just almost too busy, right? Like it was just like every day. It was just like. So,
0: was it a success out of the gates? Yeah,
1: I mean, I would say it was pretty successful out of the gates, and it didn't take too long to really be filling the place uh, because, again, it was only like two thousand square feet.
0: What besides the, the 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 concept being a good concept and having that be a trend at the time? What do you think made it a success? I think uh, it was
1: one, you know, the quality of the food right so it was just you know great comfort food that that was just um that was just pub food but done you know in unique care, ways yeah. and care and uh you know we we dressed you know we'd make our own mac and cheese bites and we would dress it up like a really amazing aioli on it so you know just a lot of great flavors yeah. there and then you know the beer we would you know, have you know 27 taps i think it was and we were just getting really hard to find beers and one-offs and triple IPAs, you know, at a time, you know, in 2011, 12, 13, that, you know, we were re- almost helping educate the market. Like, yeah. hey, this is what good beer is about. And, um, you know, we put on a beer festival and, you know, we were just like, let's educate as much people about beer because if they actually, you know, if their taste buds change from drinking Miller Lite to drinking an IPA, well, at the time, you know, it wasn't easy to find IPAs. So like we're going to get people to come to us. So like that was obviously that has totally changed. But in the early years, you know, uh, that that was our focus. And we just built this really casual, come as you are, accommodating, acoustic guy playing music, just like chill, laid back vibe, you know, which is still kind of our MO today. But, uh, you know, it just really worked. So uh, I think in like our fourth year, we ended up buying our building. We up um, an extension. We added a second floor. We added a patio. You know, so now that original small location sits at like you know forty seven
0: hundred square feet. So when like. you bought this building, was that also when you paid off your partners? Yeah, you know,
1: so the the funding and stuff never, it, you know, it it just the numbers got bigger and keep getting bigger. You know, so that's a good problem, right? So it's like now I don't yeah. need this. Now I need that, and now we're making some, but not that much. And we want to do this faster. So let's go source. You know, hundreds of thousands, not. 100,000, let's go source a half a million. So uh, it was a lot of friends and family in the so beginning. It was the second round of funding. Yep. Did you pay off all the people
0: that gave you the money in the first place? Yep. Nice. Yeah, we did. That's always a good feeling. Yeah.
1: And that's, you know, and, and that was really important to us was if you said you wanted your money back in nine months, well, we were managing, we were bartending, you know, we were doing whatever we could to make sure that you got your money back exactly when you said, you know, that, uh, the reputation uh, with borrowing. Was very important to us, yeah, and, so, and still is.
0: So, you have your partners. You get the funding for half. You pay off your, your investors. Uh, you when when did you pay off your partners? When did that happen? Uh, that
1: was pretty much right. You know, after that second year, they wanted to buy us out. Um, they actually we gave them. I, I can't remember exactly, but I think we gave them like half the money, and they held the other half for like you know a couple of years. Um, and I remember they, you know, now you're, now it's bringing up memories. They, they put in something there that we weren't allowed to open a second location until we paid them off.
0: Oh, really? Well, so smart
1: though. That was smart on their part. So now I totally it
0: made, it made you forgot about off, that, huh? but yeah. So now <laughs> when
1: we all to open a second location, we're like, all right, we got to pay off those guys first and then go do it. Cause Which, that's
0: a liability, you know, and you want to pay off your liabilities before you start adding assets. Yeah.
1: So, um, rich dad, poor dad. Exactly. So that's what we did. Um, and you know, we our first location, Dave and I, it was kind of close to our hometowns. It was it was a town that just got a lot of state funding, major revitalization and became kind of uh, a model for a lot of other towns on This is, Westbury? This is Patchogue. Patrick, okay. So the town, you know, between craft beer really growing, the town really growing, Dave and I being local, you know, we we never had any doubts, but Dave and I were like, you know, are we this busy because all these things are coming together, or if we went and did this where we know nobody, are we still gonna you know have the same success? so we went about a half hour west of us we neither of us knew anyone um We opened the gates and it was just like flooded in like nice. even that first week was probably, I still think the busiest week you know we've ever had. It was just like every day was a Saturday for like a couple of weeks there um and and that that location has just been, you know, amazing since. And that was, that was eight years ago. That wow. was 2015. So once we did that, um, you know, the confidence was really there saying, all right, we got something that people really love. You know, we're putting out a product that people enjoy, and, you know, let's keep growing this thing.
0: So any growing pains?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of stresses financially. You know, we've always been guys who are just like um, – let's just go and commit and we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> I get that. You know, so, <laughs> you know, there was times where, you know, we were building out a location and, uh, or, you know, we were maybe going for like an SBA loan that was taking a little bit longer than we anticipated, but we already started construction or like, you know, we needed funding earlier and, you know, the bills start coming and the loan hasn't closed yet. And, you know, so like some of those uh, stresses, but, you know, we always, we always got through it and, and, and managed and, you know, I would say that one thing that we've really learned, and, and Kathleen Wood has was kind of the one who helped, was just focus. Yes. You know, the so one thing. What's your one thing, the one, James? Yeah, and it, it came at great timing because I was about to uh, open a taco concept right before I uh, started working with Kathleen about two and a half years ago, and she was like, you have two amazing brands. Like, let's just focus and scale these. And I was like, you know what? It's so easy. You know, and from the when I take a step back, it's so easy to see that. But there was things we we did along the way. Um, you know, whether it's you know opening uh, this, uh, we opened like a um, kind of a tapas cocktail bar, but it was too small. It was really popular, but it was just too small, and I just couldn't make the money. It was earlier in our career where we weren't. Um, established enough with the systems and the processes and just, you know, the knowledge of where we are today to have like a portfolio restaurant where we weren't hands on. Like we just weren't ready for that at that time. And ironically, it was right when Bango Bowls started. So we opened Bango Bowls and that restaurant like, th- like the same week. Or so the same like
0: 2016?
1: This is like 2000. Yeah. 17 is when 17. It, so it was January of 17, I believe. Got
0: it. And uh,
1: we opened Bangle Bowls and this restaurant at the same time. And like I said, the restaurant—about the taco joint. No, this was wow. it, it. Was called Flight. It Got was, it. And uh, it was very busy on the um, weekends. Uh, it was more of like a date night spot. It wasn't as busy as we thought, you know, during the week. But we never really gave it a chance. I mean, we sold it in fi- after five months. Wow. Um, and
0: was that because of Kathleen's wood? No, here? this is way before Kathleen Wood. It
1: was. It was really. Um, We were, like, we just did the same amount of sales five doors down at Tap Room during happy hour than we did here on Saturday night, and we had a a three-and-a-half-hour wait for dinner. It was just, like, we couldn't turn tables. Yeah, Yeah, we couldn't turn tables, and, uh, and... you know the the price per head just you know for a place that small and like the chefs we had to have on salary like the economics didn't work so yeah. you know it was, it was just a learning like if that place was twice the size it'd probably still be open and probably be one of our best places right now God. but it was so it was it was just kind of too small and bad timing for us and at the same time we opened a little our little. Banga bowls that was tied to our tap room in, in Massapequa. Was, uh, the bank, the original bangables bowls was 300 square feet. Okay. And we were selling acai bowls and smoothies out of there. And, and this
0: is in 2017, 17. 17? Okay.
1: And we had a, it was snowing and we had a line down the street, people standing in the snow. And we were, I was doing more sales, just selling acai bowls and smoothies out of a 300 square foot store then,
0: so it started as like a pop-up essentially almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um it was just really uh this really it was attached to our kitchen in in our tap room and we're like, you know, didn't think we'd ever really grow. Same thing. We didn't think we'd really grow it or scale it, but we were like, hey, we got this space. Um let's sell some ace bowls out of there. And then they were, you know, amazing bowls. I think you just had one, yeah, right? I'm
0: still eating it. If you guys hear some chomping in the background, <laughs> it's because he's talking about
1: the and, uh, It was just you know, exciting because it was it was really busy. I'm coming from running full service restaurants, so you know I have all these vendors, I have all these job roles. It's just you know a lot of moving parts. And then I look over here, and we have one product, two job roles, and we're doing some serious sales. And we're like, all right, I think we should grow this Economics, thing too. Economics, yeah. So, but go, do one thing
0: really well. Yeah, yeah. So you know,
1: so just going back Hard to uh, you know with Kathleen Wood, she was like, let's just focus on these two brands. So like I look back in my earlier years and I wish that was, that's probably the one thing I wish I had more uh, awareness of 10 years ago was you, if you have something working, just double down on it and focus. Yeah.
0: I mean, we were putting on beer festivals, we were opening yeah. this restaurant, we're doing that. It was just too much stuff. The analogy I like to use, I think people think, you know, they have their head down, they, they get traction with something and they think, okay, growth is outwards. I need to look beyond what I have for growth. I think the opposite is true. If you've got something that that works, put the energy in to how do I make this work even better? How do I make this work so I don't have to be here? You know, how, like how do I put systems and processes? How do we what, what is our culture? How do we keep that culture? You know, how do we cement it? Like what, what is working and make it work better? You right. know, put that energy in, and then you have scalability, right? Exactly. And then now you just it's it's, it's about building people. You know, not running the business and creating opportunity upflow,
1: exactly. Is yeah, up, and that's is upflow, like up, 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 upstream, up,
0: upstream. Right? Like, that doesn't sound right, but you, yeah, man, it's perfect. I love it.
1: Yeah. So focus is something you know we're really uh, you know trying to trying to just pay attention to, and you know as as we gain a little more success, right? Like, there's more opportunities come our way, and hey, do you want to do this or do you want to partner on that? Or and we're just really staying focused right now.
0: Yeah. So let's go back. Um, I love what you're giving us, but I kind of want to unpackage between 2011 and 2000. What you said, two years. You you opened your third, your second location. It was actually it
1: was actually our fifth year. So it was, fifth it was uh, I guess yeah, like four and a half years. It was um you know was, yeah so we opened our Second location, and, you know, it's funny because I talk a lot about delegation now because when I talk to people and they're like, oh, you know, you're running 16 restaurants right now? Like, how, like, I can't even run two or I can't run three. And I'm like, well, you're actually, like, in that really bad <laughs> spot where two is pretty hard mm-hmm. and three is, like, impossible if you don't learn how to delegate. And I, I really think back when Dave and I, when we opened our second location, you know, there's things we said to each other that sound funny today, but, you know, he was like, I have to be the one who orders the beer. Like, no one knows the craft, you know, beer market like I do, and, you know, if I if I don't order the beer, then, it, you know, we're going to have bad beer, and then our, we're, then we're going to go out of business, and I'm like yeah, and I got to book the acoustic music for Friday happy hour. What if the manager books a bad acoustic guy and our happy hour sucks and then we go out of business, right? So it was like, you know, I laugh now, but it was like real things we actually said and we just had to keep control. So I think there's a lot of uh, business owners and restaurateurs out there who, you know, maybe have two or three locations or, or worse. They go a little farther and they don't give up, you know, give up that control and you're only one person. Right? Yeah. Like you you can only be in so many places at once, you can you know you, you only have so much bandwidth. So if you don't learn how to delegate, you know, you're really gonna have a tough time.
0: So get into details on how you learned how to delegate. Get specific. Like what was that evolution of being able to delegate for you like?
1: I think coming to terms that you know, if I was running my restaurant like Dave and I did the first few years, then like everything is gonna be hundred percent to our standards because we're the ones doing it and we're the ones there but i think for us it was just learning that hey if we have to be okay with this might be running at 90 percent of like what we would do but if we have uh multi-units and we have five of those or ten loads or 50 of those or 100 of those like you know we still we still are passionate and set those standards and high have high standards but you got to understand that you know that example like all right that manager might put on that beer maybe you wouldn't have chose that beer but guess what that beer is going to be
0: totally fine yeah everything's going to be okay right you know yeah. so. so it's just, it's it's accepting and understanding that the world's not going to crumble if it doesn't go exactly the way you would have done it but you're also in giving up that responsibility you're handing somebody responsibility and somebody having responsibility and being able to be seen for what they're doing gives them purpose and you know? know
1: and that's where we're at today it's like yeah you know uh Really developing our team and our leaders, because as we grow, you know we we want them to grow with us, right so it's you know empowering people showing you know showing them what what they can do and and you know how how they can delegate down to to their teams as well and and, and you know it's just you know everyone can level up
0: Where were your systems at this point
1: um, I think opening you know there wasn't many uh, right uh, kind of going into our second location but it was around then that the conversation started to be had that hey we don't necessarily want to be slaves to the business like we want to be able to go on a week or two vacation and know that everything's totally fine um, and just looking around saying how there's chains out there with hundreds thousands of locations there's no right. owner in it and we're, we're doing the same thing so you know let's, let's really learn you know what they're doing and really learn how to build a company not just run a restaurant
0: where'd you go to learn how to do this
1: so uh, I think originally, whether it's at some uh, kind of trade shows, you going to some workshops and listening to some of the speakers. And, and you know, I, I think back uh, a long time ago with David Scott Peters and yeah. and, and Fred Langley, and uh, looking at their Restaurant Systems Pro, and uh, and that was one of the first techs we really engaged with, and learned a lot from those guys. And you know, f- for the first time, we started really you know tracking our inventory and. And uh, recipe cards and learning how to forecast, which for me, I saw was one of the biggest differences between a mom and pop restaurant and really a larger chain is, you know, the mom and pops is very reactive. You just react every day. You're just reacting yep. to really what's happening in the moment or, or what happened to you. yesterday. You really don't know your numbers uh, as opposed to a chain where, you know, it's very, it's your business should be very predictable, you know, based on you know historical data, and you should have a relatively good idea of what you're going to do in sales today or next week or, or next month. And when you're putting the effort in to really look forward, then it just allows you to really get more in touch with your numbers, whether that is you know your purchasing or, or staffing and and labor. So, uh, yeah, R- Restaurant Systems Pro back yeah. then was yeah. like really the first thing. And I know did you're
0: you're not with Restaurant Systems Pro anymore. You recently switched. Uh, but But, I will say this i, I don 't think and they are my sponsor, and hopefully they 're still my sponsor after this the statement i don 't think restaurant systems pro is for everybody. I think it serves best people who are where you were at in two thousand and sixteen where you 're like, we need systems, and we aren 't systems people, so what, instead of us trying to build systems from the ground up let 's go outsource our systems. And build our business around proven tested systems
1: yeah i 'll yeah, say um, I have nothing but great things to say about Rest- restaurant systems pro. I think there 's a lot of listeners right now that should one hundred percent call them today and and engage. We learned a lot you know I went all in with them and they they consulted and they came in and really helped me you know build out um, you know my shelf to sheet and my inventory and again build out my recipe cards and uh, foreca- forecasting models and uh, it was just it was really great. Um, just recently, we were, you know switching for some accounting reasons, uh, but you know they they have a great product and more importantly they have a great community.
0: Yes, I was going to say the community and the support, the customer support. These are restaurant people who are serving restaurant people. They understand what 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 support does.
1: Exactly. There's some great restaurateurs using Restaurant Systems Pro, and you know I really met a lot of great people over the years. You know using their system, and you know that I'm still friends with. You know. Today. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I, and I I'm, I have no problem being honest with how I, I think I'm right there with you. I think they're a great company. But I think I think Restaurant Systems Pro is ideal for somebody who has something who isn't a, a technology system oriented individual that wants a one stop shop for all of their restaurant system solutions. I will say this: as you start growing to like maybe twenty or thirty locations, or if you have plans to grow beyond that, and you have fast casual concepts that do better with more digital presence and stuff like that, it might make sense to evolve to to a different platform, you know. And but there are a lot of people that fit that that characteristic of hey, we have two or three locations, we want to scale beyond this we are, are having trouble locking in your systems. They're going to hand you a blueprint. Yeah. 80 systems on a systems board that you plug into your business. There's no way you're doing that on your own as effectively. Yeah. And they, and they have great support and they really hold your hand. So that's yeah. a big part of it. So, I mean, I did not know that you used Restaurant Assistance Pro before coming into YouTube. That was news to me. So uh, that, that's interesting to hear that they, got, they help you get to this point. Absolutely. Um, so, so that was like 2016 when you started using Restaurant Assistance Pro. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe 17, 17, so maybe 16. It? Okay. So, um, it's ironic that this is also when you go, you start scaling pretty quick too. I, yeah, exactly. So, uh, A you know, coincidence, not at all. That, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. You
1: know, yeah. it was, it, it was the focus on really, uh, focusing to get systems, get processes, you know, understand our numbers. Uh, and you know, that was, that was the start to, to really growing. And then, you know, COVID happens and COVID was even more confidence. Like right now we're really ready to scale. That's when we engaged with Kathleen Wood. In the past few years i have just been, you know, amazing working with her.
0: So in 2017, you have two tap rooms and you spin off uh, Bango Bowls from like a little like adjacent space next to your second bar. Right. Exactly. I love this. This idea of starting small. Get into why... What was your approach? What was going through your mind when you when you opened? So this, the third location for you was technically Bango Bulls, correct? As far as businesses go, yeah, yeah, like um, technical third, technical two tap
1: rooms. We had the one we closed, but yeah, yeah. So okay,
0: that's right. Technically the fourth. Any yeah. lessons from the closure? I mean, we kind of got into that a little bit, but this, like just the economics of it was a big takeaway I got.
1: Yeah, it was just the economics. You know, I really. Uh, it was a great concept like you know i would tell give someone the keys today and say hey i think you'd be very successful with this concept but um yeah, just economics. It was just, uh, two, you know, we weren't turning tables like we thought because we were giving people an experience. It was, um, you know, we were doing flights. We were doing all the different wine flights. We were doing, like, a gin and tonic flight where there's three different gin and tonics. We were doing food flights. So there was, like, three lamb chops, three baby lamb chops. It's a lot of
0: education on your staff, too.
1: Yeah, and, you know, we needed talent to execute that, yeah. you know, and we, and we needed... So it was just the talent we needed in such a small space, people, you know, really staying and enjoying their time. We just couldn't turn the tables, so... The economics there was definitely, you know, a big a big learning curve. And then, you know, with Bango Bowls, it was I would say we opened that first one, it was extremely successful, so we were like, all right, let's go open a few of these like right away, and we did that pretty quick. Um, you know, trying to be
0: first to market. And that I was would, a hot time for the 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 Asahi Bull movement. Yeah, so exactly. You got the, the taproom movement, now you got the Asahi Bowl movement. Yeah, and it,
1: exactly. And Bango is involved. You know, I say um, you know, not even our largest seller. We're more salads and green bowls now. So, you know, it evolved over time. Uh, you know, Ryan, I'm sure Ryan will talk more about that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, we just opened really quick. So I kind of tell some people right now, um, friends who are kind of scaling brands and they just, op- you know, go from one to five units in like 18 months. I'm like, I'm telling you, you should slow down get some systems, get some processes, understand your brand, know your customer, like, you know, do all that first before you're in your soul, your identity. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't, don't be so quick to scale. Like I'd say, get it right first and then go.
0: So when you open Bango Bulls in this adjacent space, was there a strategy? Were you trying to test the market or why? Like why Bango Bulls? Um, you know, I
1: think that, uh, Acai bowls were just starting to become popular. Because
0: you don't think taproom and acai bowls.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the brands are totally separate. We just had this really small space um, that, you know, was like 300 square feet. So uh wasn't, wasn't large enough to really um, build a kitchen or anything. The taproom kitchen was already kind of too taxed. Like we were kind of, they couldn't pump out any more food. They were really busy. So it was just like, all right, this is a cold product that, you know, just needs a l- low boy and, you know, this freezer and, you know, we can crank out bowls. And then, like I said, all of a sudden, just a demand, like a line down the street and we were just, you know, selling them like crazy.
0: So, did you, did you guys have your own door? Was this like a whole yep. separate brand? yep, own door.
1: Storefront? Yep. Got it. Totally branded, separate, and no access from inside tap room. So, it was separate.
0: So, from opening the first location in this adjacent space to second location, how much time elapsed? Um maybe eight months I okay. think yeah how'd you know you were ready
1: I don't think we were <laughs> um, but again it was it was uh, trying to
0: beat the market yeah
1: trying to beat the market and um, you know we, we just opened a bunch of locations and you know we had to take some time to step back were you guilty of your not taking your own advice oh totally and, that, <laughs> yeah. and that's what I'm saying you know yeah. I, I li- that's, that's what I've lived and learned so um, I wouldn't have that advice if get into the pain well, like where was the pain you know, it's just uh, when you are, when the brand's evolving, you know, and they're and you're trying to figure out what you want to sell, and then like uh, once you figure out what you want to sell, right? How are we going to execute it, and how are we going to roll that out? And now we're not just rolling it out to one store, but I'm rolling it out to five stores, or you know, and I don't have just you know 15 employees to train it to. but I have 100 employees to train it to. So everything's just magnified and in the beginning when you don't have a huge team to help you execute that, uh, you know, and you're trying to drive sales and you're trying to hire and you're trying to train, you know, there's just a lot going on. You build the
0: house before you move into it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we, we were just going fast. Um, and that's and that's why it took us uh, this long to commit to franchising because we want to make sure that we had the brand right and we weren't doing this. We were doing this with our own stores and not franchise stores because that's even
0: you know that much harder. So, eight months to get from one to two locations. There's five locations now. It's actually seven. Seven. Oh, I gotta, you got to you got to update your uh, LinkedIn profile, my friend. <laughs> I think it was LinkedIn somewhere. I saw it. Uh, seven locations. That's awesome, dude. So, wh- where were you? Like, how how long did it take you before you started to realize that? Oh, we got to slow down. When um, did that
1: happen? It wasn't so much slowdown. We just wanted to really drive sales. So it was more figuring out, you know, we we built these bangle bowls, um, fairly small footprints, like a thousand square feet, no kitchens, no hoods, no, you know, no cooks. And that was by design. We wanted to have, you know, small build outs and, you know, be able to scale quick. Low cost. You you know, or if we were franchising, have low cost. So that was all by design. But once we really wanted to expand the product offering, it was right. Uh, If we're going to start cooking, how are we going to do that? Like, how are we going to execute that? Um, and, you know, luck, luckily through technology, you know, we use uh, rationale ovens, which are just these amazing, uh, amazing ovens. I I call it the magic oven yeah. because, I mean, just in one chamber you can cook a steak, salmon, potatoes, eggs.
0: Like- yeah, it's a combination of convection and steam. And is there a little bit of... um microwave going on there too or is that something i'm thinking of a turbojet yeah, right? yeah yeah no, yeah um but it's just it's, it's convection but and steam, it, right? ju- it just changed the game
1: so now we're you know now we're able we saute our vegetables and we roast you know our own chicken and you know it's all pro- programmable and, yeah and pro- it, and it, programmable program exactly you, you, to, it's just a smart oven so we program it you know we have um
0: tell you're cooking the chicken and it knows exactly what to do. yeah we
1: have a young workforce they're able to just come in and they'll be able to just like the button chicken and it comes out perfect every time. Yeah, consistency. So like once we once the menu evolved and the execution operationally evolved, um, you know, that just took time. Right? Yeah. And and then took time to roll out and execute.
0: I, I, I appraise your What's the word? Discipline to tap the brakes and to to master those things before scaling, building the house, building the systems before you you scale. I am curious. Was your chef the one that you opened the tap room with? It was is he still with you guys? Did he? Did he has been growing. So yeah. you had that
1: for, for twelve years. Wow. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of great influence. Tap room uh, has definitely helped Bowls along the way. You know, especially. Because Dave and I, you know, were in the industry since, you know, we were kids. And, you know, we've had the team over there. The team was multi-unit and larger over there. So, uh, definitely helped. But, yeah, you know, staying disciplined in the beginning. And I don't know if it was the name or the logo. But it was, you know, it was weird that even, you know, the first month in business, people were like, is this franchise? Like, people always thought we were like way, way bigger of a company than we were. And in those first couple of years, like we got like a couple hundred inquiries to open their own Bangables. Wow. Um, And so, you know, that was tough to say no to because it's low-hanging fruit, but we were like, we don't want to go build this fragile network because we don't really know what we're doing yet. You know, like we want to really get the brand in a really, really amazing place. Um, And, you know, we're at a point now where we're we're, we're excited because that's where we are. What is the brand today? So, uh... Bango is, you know, in that better fuel movement, we don't, we know, we like to say that it's a, it's a better choice. So um, we don't sacrifice, you know, flavor. So there's some brands out there that are a little more organic and, you know, where the food just doesn't really taste that great. So like having great tasting food was really our our first priority but just giving people a better alternative a better choice than maybe going to eat a sandwich or a burger or fried food for lunch where you can get a come and get a great salad or grain bowl or poke bowl or acai bowl or smoothie or you know just just some better choices i'm a new hire what's the
0: vision what are you selling me
1: um so again we're scaling through franchising right so we have um seven corporate stores you know right now we are not really focused on opening more corporate stores. We really want to be able to support the franchise network. So we literally got legal a couple months ago to sell franchises. So we're just kind of talking right now to our first uh, potential franchisees. Um, but but yeah, you know, we, we want to be uh, the leading brand in the better for you bowl movement. And you know, with that growth, uh,
0: there's a lot of a lot of opportunity for for our team. Got it. Uh, so today it's you. Dave's still around. Uh, he was the other front of house guy. Your chef is still around. What's his name? Darwin. Darwin? Um, you have Ryan. You brought Ryan on as a CEO of Bango Bowls. We're right. going to be talking to him later. What, like, what's your team look like, your executive team look like?
1: Um, so we have uh, a director of operations that you know we are fortunate. Um, uh, his name is Mike. He came over. He was a VP at Woo's Chris Steakhouse, and he worked for Darden. And uh, you know really... As we kind of worked with Kathleen and set like a vision, which, you know, we want to open 50 tap rooms in the next 10 years. So that's, that's what we put on paper. Um, 50 tap rooms? 50, Nice, yeah.
0: dude. How many bingo bowls in the next?
1: Uh, you know, we're pushing towards that goal of 100. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, by putting that out into the universe, you know, what that's really done is, uh, you know, we've, we've been able to attract better talent, Right, so Mike's a guy who who came to us, left some really big chains um, because he decided to work with the guys that had the vision and just, you know, he kind of came out of his mouth. I just want to work with quality guys who um, have a good vision and want to build a great company. So, you know, by... Publicly casting out your vision, uh, we've been able to attract some better talent and GMs, and uh, even real estate. You know, I get I get more opportunities for real estate because I have a, a, a lot of brokers locally known that we're growing. So you know, the phone's always ringing for real estate opportunities. But um, yeah, we've we have a great team. Uh, you know, full time marketing and um, financial analysts, and uh, we have uh, Jess who. She started uh, with us bartending, and then she managed, and now she's on the corporate team. And uh, I call her my Swiss, Swiss Swiss Army knife. She's a you know director of operations support, but you know she really helps with the tech stack, and um, you know which we're proud of. And uh, yeah, we've just it, t- for us, it's all about the team, right? Yep. It, you know, it's it's really cultivating opportunity for them. But, you know, we won't get to 50 tap rooms unless we create a lot of opportunity and just surround ourselves with some amazing people. And that's what we've been doing.
0: So I want to spend the rest of our free-flowing time kind of talking about, you know, when you started surrounding yourself with these people. It sounds like post-pandemic is when you really started to push, right? Is that safe to say?
1: Yeah, I would say that um, at at Tap Room, we had, uh, by 2019, we had three locations. Um, We had uh, really a fourth that we were starting to look at but it was it was actually Fred Langley uh ironically um he called me at the end of uh, uh like the fall of 2020 and he just said hey how's how's covid treated you like what's going on i said well luckily i'm live on long island and not in new york city like we actually yeah. have some you know parking lots and sidewalks and the local municipalities you know allowed us to set up shop outside so we actually had a good summer and you know, our both Bango and Taproom, you know, our brands were conducive to take out and we were already digitally forward. Like all of our online ordering was already set up, integrated, ready to go, ready to handle it. So um, for the summer, we were all good. And I said, look, we had a great summer. Winter's probably not going to be great, you know, but if anything, I, I always knew I want to grow. But now I have, you know, the confidence, like if, if COVID didn't stop was, me, yeah. like what stopped me? Like, let's, you know, like let's go. And the conversation with Fred was, you know, hey, I want to scale. Uh, I always knew that, but I'm a little hung up on my name, Taproom. I think it's a little too generic to go out of market. But, you know, half of me says it's exactly kind of what you said. Like, it tells you exactly what it is. And half the, half the people out there say they absolutely love it. Don't change it. Just own it. Um, and then the other half say, yeah, maybe you want to do a slight tweak. So, uh, But anyway, that conversation led to, hey, if you really want to grow, I have someone you should speak to. I give Fred all the credit, Um, Fred and Gina over there at Restaurant Systems Pro, because they were the ones who introduced me to Kathleen, and uh, she's been great for us.
0: Yeah. So really, you kind of scratched the surface as to how she helped. She said, you know, focus on one thing, core focus, right? Really dive into how she helped transform. Like, who were you then? Who are you now because of her?
1: Yes, I would say that... um, That was the first thing is, you know, focus, but, you know, also casting a a vision and, you know, getting our vision and core values down on paper. So, like, um, you know, just we weren't just kind of growing randomly, but we're really strategic planning. So kind of going back to what I was saying, if I disappeared for a year, the team's going to be fine because, one, they're all, you know, it's a strong team. But we spend time planning out the year and really the next three years. So, you know we, we know where we're going um what what really needs to be done so when i kind of look back the first year working with kathleen it wasn't by design but what i realized we totally changed our whole tech stack like you know and it wasn't like hey what's the tech let's change it it was just like hey what's important well you know do we have a loyalty program no okay well let's figure out what we want out of a loyalty program and what's out there, and then do we have the integration with the POS to support that? And the answer was no. So, was what like, were
0: you using for a POS at that time?
1: I was using um, r Power, okay. Which I was happy, you know, I was happy with at the time in our earlier years. It was it was a good system, but as tech really started to grow and you know every day something new and shiny is coming out, not having something modern enough to integrate with all that was was the real challenge. So we ended up switching to Toast, um, which you know we're very happy with. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, just, it was just all those conversations like, hey, are we entering every review? Um, you know, do we have a seamless recruiting and onboarding system for employees? You know, uh, are we paying attention to local SEO? or You know, like, uh, how are we communicating with our management teams? Yeah.
0: So we have all the processes in place for the basics of running a restaurant. But then there's all the next level systems and process that only the best do. The process for communicating with guests outside of the restaurant. Like all those extra things that we're responsible for now. Like, are we doing it every time? Right. Are we building systems around that?
1: And really, the mindset started to be like, um, is this might make sense for running three restaurants, but is this scalable? Like, is what, uh, is what we're doing today? going to work if we have 20 stores.
0: So the first thing you did when you worked with Kathleen, she said, where do you want to be? Right. Start at the end of mind. Right. Uh, was that five years or three years where you want to
1: be? <laughs> we went out 10 years and said years. like, hey, um, and didn't necessarily have to be a location number, but that's kind of how it came with us. And we said, hey, if we can kind of work backwards and say 10 years from now,
0: 50 taps. It was like,
1: hey, uh, let's open hundreds of 50 stores, of right? Working. Like, let's, yeah. So it was like, all right, well, let's work backwards and what do we have to do to get there? And then. Do you know wh- what do we need on our team right now to support the next phase of growth and wh- um, what systems do we need to focus on today, which again led to a lot of the tech. It's like, all right, let's yeah. switch this tech. Let's add that tech.
0: So you start with 10 years and you go, okay, well, if you want to be here in 10 years, where do we need to be in five years to be on track for 10 years? Right. And then you say, okay, well, if we want to be there in five years, where do we have to be in three years to be on track for five years? Okay, if we have to be here in three years, where do we have to be next year okay what's the next year goal then right and so that's
1: and that's uh and that's exactly what that's exactly what we're doing so you know just having kind of that growth coach in the corner um saying all right you know like at the time it'd be like if i was opening at one location for the next year hey we're doing good but you know we have four locations four leases signed right now so um and not irresponsibly you know like We've taken a lot of time to build the foundation, you know, new store opening guides and software, and you know, to, to handle all that. So, um, if you would have asked me, you know, years ago, can you open two, three, or four stores within the next twelve to eighteen months, I would have said no. But now I could sit here confidently say, you know, we're ready for it.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, when she, if you guys said ten years and you reverse engineered, uh, you got five years. This is in 2020, so you're at your third year milestone right now. Do you remember where you, would in th- where you would be in three years to be on your... your yeah, so your it
1: wasn't, um, you know, so we opened uh, two locations, but like I said, we have four coming on board right now. So it was, you know, doing it responsibly and making sure, you know, we build the foundation first before be- we just... Build the house before we move into yeah, it? Yeah, like, let's not yeah. just open stores for the sake of opening stores. Like, yeah. let's get, you know, um, again, all those systems, let's figure out the tech, let's... And, you know, we talk a lot about company absorption and using the example of a sponge. Like, you know, if you just take a sponge and I dump a bucket of water over it, it's just going to roll off the sponge and nothing's going to get absorbed. So like you have to do something at a pace with the team and your, you know, your hourly staff. i pour a little bit of a time, it gets absorbed. I pour a little more, it gets absorbed. So, you know, you can't, you can't build Rome in a day. It's like, you know, let's kind of phase things in as, as a team's ready. So, um, the last two and a half years working with Kathleen, that's what really we've been doing is... It's like
0: the framing of a house, right? Like you got to put that framing up. You have the foundation, right? Because you have the concept, you have the culture, you have the people. That's your foundation. But if you're going to grow into something, you got to build almost like that next level, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, okay, what are we going to build this stuff on? What are we going to hammer the walls to? Right. And
1: and, and really a lot of things um, past few years is just everything's intentional. Like we're going to go um you know, recruit a certain person. We're gonna do it this way. We're gonna, you know, uh, hey this store does four million in sales, great. Well why is it not doing five million? Right? It's like, oh well originally I was satisfied with that one doing four, but let's push it to five. And then again let's reverse engineer that extra million in sales and say, what are ten levers that we can kind of just dial up to maybe get a hundred grand more out of this, two hundred grand more out of that. So we're just being very intentional on on kind of our goals
0: yeah so you said she helped you kind of uh, or you guys collectively decide that you need to help get the right people and prioritize who we need do you remember who like who was like the highest priority person first and then second
1: I think um, bringing on full-time marketing uh, bringing the marketing in-house as using some like outside local agencies and uh, you know once we brought in marketing in-house, it really kind of changed the game because now they're really being able to dive a little bit deeper, not just doing surface-level stuff, but really understanding the brand, getting to know our customer, really more strategy involved.
0: How did your marketing change?
1: Uh, I think some of the stuff we're doing now, um, again, like you know, going back to the early days where like people think market, you know, posting on social media is marketing, you know, where um, going back to the tech, you know, if you uh, order online with us. You're automatically in in our uh, marketing engine, and then you know we can we can, you know I could instead of taking a twenty thousand person email list, let's say, and just blindly emailing twenty thousand people and saying hey, uh, you know it's um, it's March and we have this corned beef burger for St Patrick's Day, right? It's like now we can tie it with data and say come in, order it. Uh, Or order it online, and if you do, we know you do. So then, you know, we could. We know you like it, right? So now we can we can talk to you a different way. Segment if you you, yeah segment marketing. If you didn't, you can go this way. If you don't, now we're going to segment you to this path, and now we're going to give you an offer to come in and try it. So,
0: um, other drip campaigns where they enter enter into a funnel where there's like five emails like already queued up, depending on how they react to that email. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, you know, it's just a next level kind of marketing. Um, You know, some of the tech allows us to say, like, all right, let's say it's National Oreo Day. So, you know, we have fried Oreos on our appetizer. So we'll say, hey, you know, uh, order online tonight, spend $30, get a free order of Oreos, or it's National Pickle Day. Like, we'll do stuff like that. So then, you know, we'll see a bump in, you know, when there's tens of thousands of people um, that we're talking to. Well, when we do an offer like that, we see a real bump in sales. Yeah, right.
0: Maybe you're offering um, something in return, but what are you going to get in exchange? So maybe you offer somebody a half off, right? But they're going to bring in one, likely one other person with them, right? (laughs) maybe two. So you're what you're, you know, you got to give a little to get more.
1: Yeah. So it's just doing a little bit, just being a little bit more intentional at that, and trying to you know drive frequency. Um, What technology are you using with your marketing? We're using Lunchbox with online ordering, which um, behind Lunchbox is Customer.io. That's what allows a lot of the uh, segment marketing. So, which again all integrates with Toast. So, um, you know, we've just we've been really happy with it.
0: So, what was that that, a a joining element to Lunchbox? Customer.io, Customer.io, and what is that exactly?
1: Customer.io is uh, basically the marketing engine behind Lunchbox. So, you know, we just, it's, it's not a separate service that we pay for, but that's, you know, what you get when so you use it's Lunchbox. It's like email marketing side Email, of it. text, got allows it. you to build out the segments, allows SMS that, marketing. Allows you to build out the automations and those like drip campaigns that you're talking about.
0: Got it, got it. Um, okay, so we talked about the, the first person that you said we need to build our team, we need to get this, these people marketing. Um, Who else? What was the other thing you guys were missing? You know, I think
1: um, getting better financial visibility. So, um, you know, we have a couple people on our team, some uh, bookkeepers and uh, financial analysts. And so, uh, you know, we have one person really dedicated on forecasting, just spending a lot of effort making sure our forecasting is as accurate as possible because that's the start of, you know, setting labor budgets and, and your purchasing and all that. So forecast forecasting became more important. Um, really just, you know, we switched to period end accounting. So we have, you know, 13 periods. So really just making sure our, our period ends and we have our numbers within a week. So, uh, and just building in accounting, Kind of dashboard where we are tracking all different kPIs so we can make real time you know within a week we could look at our last four weeks and and graph out for the previous year and see kind of trends and say hey this is what's happening uh, as a company and you know this unit might uh, is lagging in um, third party sales or that one is lagging in catering or that one's blowing all the other stores away in catering like are they doing anything different yeah right so we're just a lot quicker in decision making, and that's you know based on people on the team you
0: know doing a great job pulling the numbers, tracking what we want to track. So you hired your CFO? Is that what happened? Uh, or is this when you made the sh- the sh- switch from Restaurant assistance Pro to Restaurant Three Sixty Five as far as the the backend stuff?
1: Yeah, which is about a year ago. So like it was just um, uh, really being intentional again using that word, being intentional of like what matters. Um, whether, you know, customer counts and, you know, just really paying attention, but doing it fast. So not waiting a month or a quarter to say, oh, you know, where our customer counts, but every four weeks, you know, really looking at the data so, you know, so we can make, you know, accurate and quick decisions.
0: Got it. Um, so, I'm, I mean, I'm curious here and like, I, I'm very transparent. Like my, my loyalty is to the listener and to giving them the truth, right? Restaurant Assistance Pro super psyched to have them as sponsors and believe in the product what was missing from restaurant systems pro in terms of the financial stuff? Um, cause they do have forecasting, right? Was it just, the yeah, they,
1: actually their forecasting is really good. Yeah. Um, it was really just two things for me. It was just account. It was, and, and these are things that are on restaurant systems pros roadmap. So, um, you know, I know they're working on some things, so you never know. I might come full circle. Yeah, and they be, don't
0: have, they didn't just get $150 million. So, you know, you know, so, <laughs>
1: um, you know, I might come full, full circle and be, yeah. But, back with them soon they're on their way because it's a great product and, and like I said a great community but uh, I was just looking for um, a restaurant specific accounting software and really being able to look at stuff more on enterprise level as opposed to individual stores so just having all my stores roll up into one P&L got it um, which again they were R, either were or R work. For all I know, it's live right now with Restaurant Systems Pro. It's just uh, 18, You needed it now. It, yeah. yeah. You know, like, hey, I have five stores. I'm opening four more. Like, I need it now. I don't need it in a year or 18 months. So Got it. It was, it was just that.
0: Yeah. Talk to us about some of the other tech stack that you guys. So you, you switched from, uh, went to Toast. Went to Toast. You, went to, you added Lunchbox. You switched to restaurant, system, or to restaurant 365 from Restaurant Systems Pro.
1: Yep. Uh, what else? Uh, we are using uh, WiseTail. For okay. for for training, yep. Um, so, How do you like them? Uh, it's a great platform. The only thing really missing is it's not uh, mobile friendly. Um, if if it was mobile friendly, I think you know. I mean, they're already you know some of the best in classes. A lot of huge huge brands that use WiseTail. Yeah. What is WiseTail exactly? So it's just the LMS um, where you know we're we're building out all our training in there, and you know with different modules and tests. And uh, you know, if we roll out, let's say our you know seasonal cocktails or something, you know, we'll message out all the bartenders that you know you have a module that is waiting for you, and you know you have to go finish this before you work your next shift. So um, it allows some communication with the staff and and just training. But like I said, the only thing, and I think they're working on it, but the only thing that's really missing is especially just. You know, the world we live in now is everyone's phones, the younger yeah. they are that, you know, I'm 40 and I'm addicted to my phone to 20 year olds or even more. Yeah. So, uh, I don't, you know, at one time I was trying to push back, but now I just want to embrace it, you know, at, right. um, where, uh, I just wish it was mobile friendly. Yeah. That's Wise Tilt
0: was the past sponsor on the show and, uh, that was years ago. So, uh, I'm glad to hear they're still going strong and things are, are doing good. I should reach back out to them. Have you heard of one huddle? I'm curious.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, I they're have.
0: right around the corner from us. Yeah. On the other side of New York and New Jersey. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've, I've heard of one out And then uh another tool I liked that was um it's funny cuz I demoed like all these companies and this one happened to be the cheapest. I didn't pick it cuz it's the cheapest, but it was the best one. When they told me the price I was like, you guys should charge more, but <laughs> uh, um Local Clarity. Okay. So, uh it just aggregates all your reviews. Um it's just a very nice, simple dashboard. You can go in and just you know respond to all like Google reviews and Facebook reviews. Yeah. So uh, it's a little easy, quick one, but m- makes a difference.
0: So before we start peering into the future, and we talk about that's one thing I like to do. We talk about where you came from, where you are today, uh, we, and we talk about where you're going and how you're looking to evolve to be ready for the future. Uh, anything that we haven't unpackaged as far as where you are today, big lessons, big pivotal. Evolutionary points for you, or roadblocks, and how you got past those roadblocks.
1: Um, you know we have some seasonal restaurants um, that were town contracts that you know we had to go up and you know bid. You know I think there's like 20 different hospitality companies at the time. This is going back, uh, I think, 2017. So, was,
0: so you have the tap room, you have Bango bowls, and you also manage seasonal.
1: Yeah, we have venues. four seasonal restaurants Long Island. You know, waterfront um, tour more uh like music venue like large music venues um and one's a full service seafood restaurant but uh it's funny because scotty comes back into play it was just full circle it was you know 2017 we just had a couple tap rooms a couple bango bowls we were going at going against much 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 larger hospitality companies these are very sought after uh locations um because, you know, they're high volume, they're on the water, you didn't have to buy them, you know, you want them. And uh, talking to Scotty um, and his partners at another, se- the original seasonal restaurant Dave and I worked at, we just asked him, said, hey, are you guys going after, you know, these seasonal restaurants? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely on it. And I was like, well, do you want to partner up? Like, you know, you might need help and, you know, we'll, you know Dave and I are here to help. And, uh, again, they're, we're fielding multiple kind of offers from people wanting to partner with them and again they chose you know they, they chose us so it kind of just goes back to what I was saying before you know the character and yeah, the work ethic of
0: course I love that dude um, so I am curious were you you were upstream hospitality group first right so the, none of your businesses are named upstream correct it's a holding company correct did you know to do that from the very beginning or was that something you had to build later
1: uh, I built it later um, yeah it was just as kind of different brands are evolving and it was, you know, different partner here, different partner there and, uh, different brands. Um, it, it just it really came after.
0: Yeah. I think that's something we don't talk enough about is like how to structure your business to protect your assets. Yeah. So can you give us any advice on how you set that up and what, what you would do differently, if anything?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, right now i growing them as LLCs in the beginning. I incorporated S corp. So it kind of got... Why did you yeah.
0: choose S-Corps?
1: Uh, I just, at the time, you know, I was a kid and didn't really know.
0: It sounds, I, it sounds cooler than LLC. Dude. Yeah. I'm a corporation.
1: But uh, you have a little bit more flexibility with, with LLCs, you know, with if you have an investor or partners and yep. with dividends and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, right now we're we're building on LLCs, but, you know, have one or two that are still an S-Corp. It's just a lot of undoing to change it. So I just haven't, you know, really bit the bullet to spend the time to do it. So, you know, if I was doing it over again, I, I would have started and just done LLCs from the get go.
0: So upstream is the holding company. Is that the correct term? Yeah, sure. Um, underneath that you have Bango bowls. Yep. You have, um, the tap room. Correct. What else is there?
1: Heading then there's the four seasonal restaurants.
0: And is that each, each one of those restaurants it's own. Cause you don't own the, do you own the business or are you a managing partner?
1: So we own the business, but town—it's on town property. Got it. So they're—you know—you uh, you town college. owns the asset. The yeah,
0: building, exactly. But you own the business,
1: right? Got it. Right. So, um, but so that's—you know—that we're not really scaling. Like I said, we're, foc- we're focused on scaling tap room and growing Bangables through franchising.
0: Got it. Um, so one thing that did come out, and I just kind of want to re- reinforce what you did here, is just starting small and and testing concepts. If you have a, a window. Attached to your, like, I know this one place in, in Germantown Cafe in Nashville, right? Um, if you have a way to side hustle concepts out of your location, the, what's cool today is I think you can start a brand with as a ghost kitchen. Exactly. You know, I don't know if I like the idea of just like running like 10 or 12 different ghost kitchens out of your kitchen. I feel like that kind of gets a little, again, back to what call, Kathleen says, focus, you know, like focus on doing one thing really well. Um but at the same time, if you're looking to scale and you have the ability to, to test the market, you can test with just developing a brand online and seeing if it has traction, yeah. right? And if it does have traction, then you know you can, okay, let's move this to a 300-square-foot space and have it have its own thing. Right.
1: And then and, if it's that successful, maybe yeah. a brick and mortar, maybe a multi-unit.
0: But exactly. And I, I just wanted to reinforce that idea of just testing something. And if you have the ability, if you have an asset, a, a vacant space or whatever just try that out start small and if it doesn't catch uh, traction then try something else there yeah, until something does
1: i've given that advice to so many people yeah. even you know employees of mine and i was like you know in this day and age you can go find a kitchen very cheap you go find like a local like Knights of Columbus or something that you know they could probably rent out your kitchen for a couple hundred bucks and just create an online brand and yep. and test that way and see if people like it and just you don't have to go Spend hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars building out, uh, you know, a big restaurant. You I could mean, probably do it on for under a thousand bucks.
0: I would say if you're a restaurant tour and you have this asset and you have young people working for you who could be, like you were to Scott, you know, like have them test that out online. Encourage them to start their own concept in your restaurant. Yeah, you know, and let them have fun with it. Uh, obviously, you got to find a balance, right? You can't have them do a whole giant menu on top of what you're already doing, sure. but you can start small and you can like you can you can you know I don't know there's so many things you can there's do so, many things. There's so there's so much flexibility with technology
1: today It really is and yeah, those, those are some conversations that you know we're having just a couple people I love that a couple now. people on our team that aspire to really grow
0: I love that too so what is what is in your opinion what's the evolution of the industry you know if we're doing another 10 year projection like you did with Kathleen a few years ago and you're thinking about where's the industry going to be uh, how do we evolve for the future of the industry what are you doing
1: yeah, I think obviously technology is probably the popular answer. It's just like, you know, really looking how it you know, how it changes what we're doing. Um, you know, obviously AI right now is, is a hot topic and, and how does AI uh, change what we're doing, right? There's, some, there's a lot of services right now um, that are just mind-boggling, you know, whether the uh, AI is answering your phone, placing all your phone orders for you or helping with order accuracy where they're just tracking or you know even you know I think we're a few years away, but a lot of the robots, right? Like you know the, the flippy, the flipping, and you know the frying and the miso robotics, pizza ones. Yep. Yeah, and miso has all, you know all these all these things that you see at you know the
0: conferences. It's like a car assembly line in your kitchen. Yeah, so <laughs>
1: you know I, it's it's if automobiles can be made that way, like I I don't see it not happening. You right. know, so like I you know I. I really think the tech and the AI is just going to keep are keep you evolving. using the AI right now uh some of the some of the different tools um you know like that local clarity like you know they have uh an AI responder so like if you review on Facebook like they can auto, you know they can kind of look at what you wrote and auto respond and then send it to you and say, Do you like the way I responded to this so like there are tools like that that are just starting to come on you know obviously uh I think you know chat gpt and um you know we're definitely exploring using how would,
0: how would you use that as a tour?
1: so i'm um, just some real life examples um you know i had to write a letter of recommendation for an employee i just i typed in all the bullet points of you know this person and it just spit out a perfect letter for me um my marketing guy said uh Hey, I I need a three minute marketing video. I want you to storyboard. I want to create a recruiting video um, to hire new employees. And what I want to do is, I want to have three testimonials from current employees. And I want to, you know, we just told it what it wanted. And it was wild. It just gave you the framing. It said, you know, pan a busy restaurant. Narrator, say this. Employee one, say that. Employee two, narrator. Now say this, <laughs> and it just like spit out like a perfect storyboard of this great recruiting video. That's crazy, you know. So it's just. I just, I
0: finally cracked, and I downloaded ChatGPT the other day. The first thing I asked it was, "What's the number one restaurant podcast?"
1: Uh, yeah, no, oh, sweet, congrats. So it is smart. Yeah, it, it really it is. is. <laughs> you know, I just I uh, going to the upstream mentality and being in personal development. Like I wanted to. Build out this personal development course that my employees could really dive in, and uh, I just recently I just typed in. I said, "Look, I want to build this, you know, twelve chapter course, and these are the books I've read that have really impacted, and influenced my life, and this is how I want the course to flow, and blah blah blah." And I just typed it in, and in an hour, it spit out like amazing content.
0: That's crazy, man! Right? So. Yeah. It's weird man like it's it's like how do you find that balance of taking the path of least resistance cuz I I hear what you're saying I think those are great use cases but at the same time it's like is everything or is that we're going into the, in this direction where we're not going to be able to tell when people are just having a, like AI do their work for them no doubt like I, I kind of want to know when something's coming from a person.
1: I don't disagree. It's cool and scary at the same time.
0: It's like you gotta dive in there and try to figure it out because if you don't, then you're not gonna have the bandwidth. I feel like to keep up. Yeah, you know, you gotta use these tools. And I actually listened to this really great self. Uh, what's the word self? Progress or not progress, what's the word? Um, Self-proclaimed. Yeah. Proclaimed, thank you very much. Self-proclaimed, or I don't even know if that's the word. I'm, con- I'm confessing that I'm a huge Jarogan fan. Like, I get a lot of inspiration for what I do. I try to have an open mind and hear different perspectives. Uh, but he interviewed this person the other day. Um, he worked for, like, Dell or something like that. I can't remember who, who he is, but he's, like, an expert in AI. And it was fascinating. And But the point that they try to make, they, they make, they, this is a tool. And it should be used as a tool. Right. And it's not going to take over the world but it's going to give people a competitive advantage if they know how to use it. And I think you're giving us great examples of how we can use it today. Just, just, just for inspiration. If you yeah. need a, a launching point, you know, like it can help you kind of prime the engine to get started and you fill in the blanks. Exactly. Um, yep. But it, what's cool is that like now, like this guy was talking about his son who's eight years old and he's like, I got my son on this at eight years old and I'm teaching him now how to use it because you got to keep in mind, the thing that we're not considering with AI is that AI is only going to improve the time and that, your account is also gonna grow with you and evolve with you. And it's gonna learn you. So you we basically all essentially have a virtual assistant right now if we right. know how to use it. That's gonna evolve with us as we grow into human beings. So and it's gonna be able to tailor the responses to its master. Yeah, it's like the more you dive
1: into it, it's just the crazier, yeah. <laughs> it like, you know, the, the opportunity and, and what's really around
0: the corner. It's like having your own HAL. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. like and that's where we are. You know what the reference of HAL? of that the computer, the AI, uh, the Space Odyssey, I think is what it was. Yeah.
1: It's like that. Yeah, it's, you know, I th- I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, you got to use it as a tool yeah. um, and just understand how, you know, it can maybe help you do something a little bit more efficient or faster or maybe spark an idea for you. Like, maybe you weren't thinking of that, but, you know, I'm going to, hey, that's a great idea. Let me go that direction.
0: Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're using AI, I would love to put together a list of how people are, are leveraging this tool. Cause I think it's just a matter of people getting out there and trying different things, but I would like to be able to pay that information forward. So uh, this is a new territory for me. I'm, fi- I'm finally, I'm using AI, honestly, like in my business, um, I'm using it to edit this video. Yeah. So I'm right. going to go home. I'm going to put the audio track on one of the video track and another two video tracks. I'm going to tell the AI who's on what track and then a two hour long conversation is going to be edited in 15 seconds. Amazing. I still have to go in and put all the after effects and do all that stuff. Yeah. But, I, but the, the camera angles, the chopping of the camera angles, that's the time-consuming thing. It's just like this thing. You just got to tell it when to switch. But yeah. that's all automated now. I had to save myself two hours an episode. Like I'd be right. stupid not to use that. Exactly. Oh, how else am I using yeah. it? Yeah, it's a lot of... A lot um, of it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's just
1: time-saving. Like There's so much, so much things you could do to save time.
0: Right, right. Um, so mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. When I say transform the industry, if we can move into the, the industry intentionally, like this is where we are and this is where we should be and could be if we if we were less reactive and more proactive as a collective, as an industry moving into the future. What do you think needs to change? Um,
1: I think, you know, some of the economics have been imbalanced, you know, like. What do you mean? Just just wage wise right which is kind of COVID kind of changed a little bit like I think um, the back of the house was never really getting their fair share for a long time so uh, you know I look now at kind of what we're paying our cooks and and guys in the back of the house and they deserve every penny of that I mean these guys are great guys really really hard working guys but then it's just trying to figure out you know from an owner's perspective the economics of you know having to afford that and pay them, you know, 20, 30, 40% more than they, they were. So
0: what has to happen for us to do that?
1: Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I have the crystal ball answer or else, you know, that, that would probably would have been changed. You know, I know there's, I know there's, uh, people in the industry who've explored, you know, no tipping or, you know, um, sharing tips with the back of the house, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, that's, that, that's more of an option, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think right now uh, they are the the wages have increased in the back, um, and then you know it's just with inflation, you know, pricing has has kind of creeped up. So, um, you know, I just think it's kind of the market we're in right now.
0: Yeah, I think the market kind of has to change. That's one thing that I like to preach. I think we as restaurant owners or restaurant operators uh, would have to educate the consumer and say, listen, like we want to be able to provide security to our people, just like you want to be able to go to work and have security. I guarantee you the people that are working with me don't work any less hard than you. Sure. And I think that we should be able to provide them that security. And guess what? That means you're gonna have to spend more for your food and guess what? Spend less on something else. Cause there's a lot of shit that people you're have today that out. we don't need. And it's just, this, it's a value set. It's like, where are your values? Should the people that live in your community all have security? Yeah. Is that too much to ask? give up some subscriptions. You know? Like, where is your money going? Do you have a new pair of shoes every month? Like, where is your money going? Like, your personal, well, like, your personal, like, I don't know, like, ego and just... Or just uh, how many Amazon boxes do people get in their door? That's what I'm saying, man. It's just like, I think, at the end of the day, there needs to be a cultural shift. And I think that the restaurant industry is leading the fucking
1: way. Pardon my language. I mean, I would say... I think it's happening. Like I think we're in the middle of it right now. Like you know, we're coming out of COVID, I th- like I said, I think the back of the house is finally getting theirs. You know, yeah. if, if you want to say. And I think, um, you know, s- some people could perceive higher menu prices as really just you know the supply chain and, and food, which definitely played a part. But I think now we're just seeing it settling that you know those wage increases are here and here to stay, and yeah. they and they should be because those the, you know they those. Men and women deserve every, yeah, every dollar they're exactly.
0: making. Exactly. Um, because you, as the restaurant owner, can't make it appear out of thin air. Exactly. You know, it has to come from somewhere. And exactly. I think it comes from a cultural shift. I also think it comes down to the shift in using AI to help take up some of the, the human bandwidth to absorb that so you can have humans doing human things, you know, and also a shift in business model where I think you're going to see more and more people lean on technology in general for the front of the house, for the things that are just like making a drink. Right. Doesn't mean a human can't deliver it and take the order and engage with you and create a good experience. But you can automate drink making. Or like, yeah. you know, for example,
1: like the AI uh, phone answering. Right. Exactly. So like that's one less employee that you need, um, which lowers your labor costs. So like if current sponsor, Reachify. There you go. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like it, it just allows you to have a, less people with the same or higher labor spend, which means your employees can make more money. Right, so like that's an example of a, an efficient tool where you should be able to reallocate those dollars to give wage increases to the you know exactly people working for you. So I think it's going
0: to be a compounding effect. Anything we have not discussed today that you're hoping would come out of today's conversation? I think you told me a couple of things earlier on. Did I forget to bring those to the surface before we got started?
1: Um, no, I th- I, I think you hit it. You know, I think uh, both brands we're really excited for. We're, we're at a really good spot. Um, with you know a lot of growth around the corner and uh yeah just same you know industry like i said you know we're uh it's it's in my blood i love it i'm glad i'm glad this was the path
0: that i ended up on for sure so one more question before the speed round um the mission statement is to inspire empower and transform the industry but i believe behind every great restaurant is a great person and great people how have you personally transformed Who is James today versus James back in two thousand? What was it, eleven? Eleven. When you when you were just a first time owner.
1: Yeah, I'll say that. um, I say just growing, growing as a leader. You know, like I I take a lot of pride. You know, I think there's like I don't know seven or eight hundred employee count now. So wow, I take thanks. Yeah, I, I take a lot of pride that the decisions I'm making on a day to day basis is you know it's not just affecting me and my family, but it's affecting you know, an army of people. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I don't, I don't take that lightly. So, uh, you know, I, I love being able to create opportunity, um, at, for different people and, and some people looking for different things, which I've, it took me time to learn. Like I have people who are saying, I would love to be a GM for you for the rest of my life. Like, that's, that's what I'm excited to do. I have people who are like, I want to learn how to open a restaurant and, uh, will you help me open a restaurant? Guess who's
0: going to be front and center in all the openings? (laughs) That person,
1: exactly. So you know, I have have people who have left some really great corporate jobs, like you know, with the New York Yankees, for example. You know, great job, corporate chef in Yankee Stadium, and they're like, "That's not my like life goal. My life goal is to be a restaurant owner and own multiple restaurants." I'm like, "Well, I can't teach you how to be an amazing chef for the New York Yankees, but I could teach you how to open restaurants, yeah, because that's what I do." I love it. So uh, you know, I, I I take you know just just. Just let them pride in in carrying that weight.
0: I love that, dude. Okay, one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be back to bust out a speed round. Restaurant Unstoppable is partnering with CORE, Children of Restaurant Employees. CORE, Children of Restaurant Employees, invites you to learn more about their mission and their fall campaign, Serving Up Hope. CORE is an industry-focused nonprofit that provides financial grants to restaurant employees with children who face a life-altering medical crisis or natural disaster. Serving Up Hope is a national fundraising campaign and an opportunity for the restaurant industry to come together to serve those who will serve us daily. There is complete flexibility for when and how you raise money and Core has ideas to help. Whether you choose to make a flat donation or fundraise through in-store promotions, Core provides turnkey resources to make your partnership as simple and successful as possible. It does not stop there. Brands who commit to raising $15,000 or more for Core during this campaign receive logo recognition on the wall of hope. Hope, a nationally promoted landing page that highlights the companies that have chosen to come together for our industry. Choose to participate and you will help build a culture of caring and demonstrate your support for employees and those that qualify for a grant across the country. More than 70% of core grantees are single mothers and they critically need your help to continue to provide funds. So why wait? Showcase your commitment and leadership to help employees in our industry and sign up for the serving up hope campaign today visit core to learn more together we can serve up hope for restaurant families this fall Restaurant Unstoppable Network is back, baby, and we're better than ever before. We already have six live events in the works, and we're just getting started. If you sign up for Restaurant Unstoppable Network right now, you can be a part of these six live events. We have Casey Anton, the author of Profit First for Restaurants, talking about Profit first. We have Christine Miles, the author of "What Is It Costing You Not to Listen?" and it's costing you a lot. Tom Sterner, the author of "The Practicing Mind," fully engaged, and it's just a thought to help you get into that right that right mindset and to will your future into existence. We have Kathleen Wood, the woman behind One Thing, who's helped so many of our past guests focus and channel their energy to doing one thing. Really well. We have Mike Payton, the former chief visionary officer or whatever title you want to call it, but he was the guy behind the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS, uh, the, the, the Traction Library of Books. We're going to get him in the network to talk about EOS. And we have Dave Nitzel and Dave Domzalski, co-authors of The Bar Shift and Hospitality DNA, to talk about their findings in their most recent book, Hospitality DNA. We have a great lineup coming your way. And all you have to do is head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash whatever the episode number is. You'll find a link and a banner for RU Network. Click the link, get a 30-day no-strings-attached trial, and the first 50 people to sign up will get a free Restaurant Unstoppable t-shirt, and if you opt in to the annual plan, I'll throw in a Restaurant Unstoppable hat and a mug, but you got to act fast because these are going to go real quick, I have a feeling, and thank you for your support. We're back, and the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor, a habit, a trait? characteristic you believe most contributes to your success like a strength sure I would say I am extremely
1: even tempered nothing rattles me that's a good one what's your biggest weakness um, I
0: would say organization yeah I feel that man <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing that you look for during your interview process when you're growing your team when you're surrounding yourself with new people what are you looking for
1: sure uh, really Their why like you know what 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 drives them
0: and what what why do you like to see
1: um, really just that, you know, they, they take pride in their work and, um, I think life is half of life is just showing up. Right. And I think, uh, you know, again, going back to the downstream, I think too many people just kind of go downstream. So I'm looking for the person who, they're you know, wants to show up and they want to go upstream. They're in their, like,
0: their donut floating. Yeah. Like lazy
1: river, whatever role
0: they're coming <laughs> in, they have a strong why of like, this is why I putting that extra effort. This is why I go, like up, that. go upstream. I like that. So you're just looking to make sure they can, are willing to swim against the current. Yeah. Because anything could be taught. What's your biggest challenge today? I would say we're just in the phase of
1: growth of funding, yeah. right? So it's, uh, we have some rapid growth coming, um, just, you know, the equity versus debt conversation, you know, how, how are we going to do it? You know, everything is, you know, going great, but we don't necessarily want to give up equity right now. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, just
0: funding. There's another company that's recently on my radar called uh, Homegrown, who rec- recently reached out to me. But they help restaurants go from like three, five, or more. Like they help to, they specifically are help scale from multiple units to like ten or or more. That's right where we are. Yeah, and that's why I'm thinking of you. So cool. um, they're newer though. So I mean. I can't vouch for him yet, yeah, yeah. but I'm um, very interested because I think it's so important that small businesses get access to money, man. So yeah. when I hear about these these companies sprouting up all over the place, it's it's a good sign for the future. Um, what is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? Um, value. Yeah. So, you know, one of our core
1: values um, is teamwork. Okay. Right. So, uh, you know, we're Taproom is just a brand where we just really foster everyone one working together. That might mean that one server's busting another server's table or running a drink for them or yeah. covering a shift. You know, we're just really trying to create that you know one team
0: mentality. I love it. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So, uh, not a core value, not a way to be, but a way to go, but above and beyond. What's a get? What's wow? I can't speak today. A way to go above and beyond what's expected from the guest
1: yeah so um being a place that offers you know a lot of craft beer um and you know there's a lot of opportunity for people to try something they initially haven't tried before so you know we we tell the team um you know before someone maybe orders a beer and has a bad experience because they didn't they didn't like it or they kind of choose something safe you know, just just offer up a sample. You know, we're, we're, we're here for them to explore and, and have a great experience. So Take know, the risk out of it. Yeah, we're, we're just open for them to, you know, explore and have a good time.
0: What's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? We already have Rich Dad, Poor Dad on our list. What, what else you got for us?
1: Um, some necessarily think it just applies to just restaurant owners. But, you know, uh, Richest Man in Babylon okay. is a real easy read. I think it's like under 100 pages. But just a lot of good principles in there.
0: What was the biggest takeaway for you?
1: In that book? Yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing that has really helped me along the way is uh, living below your means. I think a lot of people are, you know, living on credit or, and, or they open their first business, they start making money, their lifestyle instantly increases that level of income they just started making. And we, were, we kind of stayed very disciplined and we're like, you know, we're going to live on 50% of our income. And then it grew. All right, we're going to live on 30% of our income. And we just allowed kind of that, that extra money to be able to help us, you know, roll into more opportunities and open up more stores and develop another brand. So, uh, you know, that was one of the principles in that book, but, um, kind of that delayed
0: gratification. Got it. That's a great lesson there. Uh, is that one on Audible? Oh, I'm curious. Um, it has to be. I'm, I'm sure. still pitching my Audible affiliate link. But if you guys <laughs> have not signed up for Audible yet, as a busy restaurant owner, like it's a game changer. I mean, I'm on the road constantly. I would not read or listen to as nearly as many books if I didn't have it have Audible. on tape. Sure. So, uh, AudibleTrial.com/unstoppable. If you're not listening to audiobooks, it will change your life. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough?
1: Um, I would say really look at the numbers and know their numbers, especially the smaller you know, smaller guys, single unit or just just a couple of units. Um, you know, when you're kind of wearing every hat and you don't have a big team and you're the marketer and you're hiring and you're firing and you're scheduling and you're doing the bookkeeping, you know, it's hard to really know your numbers, but that is you know, the most important thing in your business. Uh, so you know, I think
0: people should really put more energy and focus into that. Okay, we talked a lot about technology today, but if you can reinforce anything, what is one piece of technology you've recently adopted that's had a huge impact on communication, efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines?
1: So I wouldn't say recently adopted because we've been using it for years. But uh, one thing I didn't mention, which is free, uh, that if you know, I'm telling someone, hey, if there's one thing you know, you have multi units, you got a lot of managers going on, is use Slack for communication. Great tool. I mean, yeah, we we it's easy. You can get a free version, but You know, we have um, our brands and then we have each store has like a few channels, whether it's, you know, like staffing for this or a general channel or maintenance or um, catering and just all that communication is done within that Slack channel as opposed to a group text because, you know, in a group text, we're texting about one thing. We forgot to add that assistant manager um, and then three hours later we're talking about something else and a week later we're trying to go back to that original you know, conversation doesn't get lost like you can't search it you yeah. can't attach files in in group text so uh we you know i'm i'm a huge supporter of slack
0: i'm curious what are your different channels like what are your common like restaurant channels
1: sure so uh each store has a general channel
0: okay um are you opening up your slack account right now yeah I'm oh gonna, man uh this g- is good.
1: General. Um, like I said, catering. So, you know, we use a third-party uh, software, Triple Seat, for catering, yeah. but um, which is team communication in there. But, uh, you know, we have, um, we use Zapier to kind of uh, direct link some things right into the catering channel because it's easier, quicker, you know, to app on our phone as opposed to logging into Triple Seat. Um, you know, there's, there's things we do with Slack. You know, like let's say um, a team, uh, a store needs maybe a graphic done instead of, You know, what used to happen was a manager would try to speak to the marketing director and one person would email, one would talk in person, one would text, right? Like he was getting, he felt like he was getting arrows.
0: He feels like every restaurant owner who's getting a review on their restaurant. Right. It's just, you know, there's like,
1: it's like everywhere I turn, it was like a different (laughs) method of communication. Yeah. So like, uh we also use ClickUp as a, like a prod team project management and, you know, in the back office. So he just built a form on there and he pinned it right in our Slack channel. So now if anyone ever needs, and we do this with like catering increase. So like if, a, if a, there's just a link right at the hostess stand, you know, that someone could scan. And if someone walks in and says, Hey, I want to have a party, the hostess could just type in there and then it, You know automatically goes into our system as opposed to like the post-it note that's you know left by the phone
0: so you're standardizing the, the flow of communication right and slack really allows us to do that i love that great tool very great specifics thank you very much okay this is the last question it's a doozy so get ready for it if you got the news you'd be leaving this world tomorrow all the memories of you your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy? What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Wow, that's a deep question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'd love to, you know, have a little more time to think about. Do you have
0: kids? I do I have a, I like to say, pretend that you're talking to your kids. There's three things that you can leave behind. Okay. Same
1: thing. Same, same response. Deep question. I'd like to think about, but you know, I would just say, um, you know, I'm a big believer in just gaining confidence, you know? So, um, whatever my children or you know employees have to do to just be confident because I feel like a confident person in whatever they're doing has a much chance of s- success than sure. someone who's kind of like Timid. yeah exactly. Um, have confidence number one have confidence. Um, I would say don't let money stop you know your dreams, right like there's other things you could bring to the table whether it's expertise or work, but I think so many people limit themselves because they're like, oh, I have a dream to open a restaurant or do X, but I'll never have the money for that. Right. That's right? why I
0: started a podcast because I wanted to open a restaurant. I was like, I can, I'll never have the money for that, but I can start a podcast today. Right.
1: <laughs> um, you know, and then, and then, um, you know, if, uh, if growing a brand is something, you know, that, I, that person wants to do and they figured out how to get the money is just going back to learn how to delegate. you will, Never grow. Like if you never let go or learn to delegate, you will never grow.
0: Takes an army. Yeah, yeah. James, I've loved today's conversation, I mean, man. This is episode one thousand and seventeen. If you enjoyed today's episode, uh, you can go check out. 1017. We'll have a summary of today's discussion. Also, lots of tools mentioned today. We'll try to link back to all those tools. Um, Some of the tools mentioned today are past sponsors or affiliates. I do want to give a reminder, uh, Restaurant Systems Pro, current sponsor, uh, helped you get this far, helped you get to this point. Absolutely. Uh, I think it is an amazing way to instantly overnight systematize your business. Uh, You also mentioned Kathleen Wood, who is another affiliate, believe it or not. And uh, she has done so much to turn um, good companies into amazing companies. She's
1: helped a bunch of companies go from pretty small to very large companies. Yeah. And I can't speak more highly than anyone I've ever worked with. She's, so she's been great. If,
0: if you're interested in working with those companies, do check out the show notes so we can uh, get credit for sending people their way. It helps support the show unbelievably you have no idea how much that guys that helps us um and before we say goodbye who do you respect and admire somebody that if you found out there were guests in this podcast and they spilled their guts just like you spilled your guts today you'd be like i want to listen to what they had to say
1: um i gotta say my partner you know i yeah. really respect my partner ryan thorman um and you know i'm really excited to have you have him yeah he's on deck man. Have have him on the podcast yeah I can't wait to get him on, and I, don't, him. and I don't
0: have to wait long because he's sitting right here, ready to go. So um, I can't <laughs> can't wait for it. Awesome. Uh, again, restaurantunstoppable.com slash uh, ten seventeen. Thank you, James, so much for taking the time to share your story, to share your knowledge, your mentorship, and your inspiration. There is no questioning you are unstoppable. Thanks, Eric. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, James Bonano, for coming on the show, getting vulnerable, opening up. And uh, man, just so many great lessons came out of today's chat. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that's getting me excited. So we had James Bonano on the show. We were uh, right off the heels of this interview, uh, which is the, the episode that goes next live. We had a Brian Foreman on the show. Uh, so James is the CEO of upstream hospitality group. And Ryan is the CEO of Bango bulls uh, and upstream is like the the holding company. So uh, I do want to say also thank you to Kathleen Wood for putting these gentlemen on my radar. Uh, well, Kathleen has worked with so many amazing restaurants and past guests on the show. And she said, you've got to get these guys on the show. They're doing some amazing work and she did not disappoint. They did not disappoint. Um, so I just, again, thank you guys. And uh, lots of cool things mentioned on today's show. We got into technology. If you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 1017, we'll have a link to all the tools and the services in the show notes. And uh, also Restaurant Systems Pro mentioned today, sponsor of the show. Uh, this company is legit. I think I think Bango Bulls is proof that Restaurant Systems Pro will help you scale your business. It will help you go through the obstacle. It's every system you could imagine spelled out for you. I know this is something that I would very much take into strong consideration if I was a restaurant tour, So we'll have a link to Restaurant Systems Pro in the show notes as well. When you use the links, you support the show. Thank you in advance. Uh, I also want to say thank you to all the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to Jared Parisi for your copyright and your editing. Man, that means so much. Thank you to Callan Miola for your community management. Speaking of community, Restaurant Unstoppable Network has a workshop today. So if you're listening to this early uh, we have a workshop on the 14th at 3 p.m it's actually coffee with Eric in the whole this was actually this came back by popular demand uh, it's not that you're getting access to me that's popular I'm facilitating a place for restaurant owners across the nation across the world to come hang out and just get it out I don't have all the answers I'm not gonna promise that to you but I will give you a, a, a space to get your thoughts out and just sometimes having people listen and hear you the exercise of just saying it out loud is so powerful and you get access to the network the the group of people we're we're here for you we're listening and sometimes we just shoot the shit and we have fun we talk about things only restaurant owners can talk about Um, so you're getting access to me and other restaurant tours and specialists across the nation so I'm excited to be bringing that back. That's at 3 p.m. today. And then next week on the 21st, Christine Miles is leading a conversation around the recipe for making a lasting impact on your restaurant through listening. She is the author of what is it costing you not to listen? I think we still might have one book available to give out. If you sign up for the network and RSVP, uh, there's a link in the show notes to sign up for the network. Uh, get over there. You're missing out. It's coming back. It's stronger than ever. Callan's killing it. And I also have to say thank you to Anna. Anna. Tazen at the good kind Con consulting for all of her executive support and on operations and marketing and just um I don't know we we wouldn't be what we are today without her support so thank you Anna and that's it for today until next time peace out